You know, the fun and happy events surrounding Christmas, those can make for great memories. But it's some of the unplanned mishaps around the holidays that can make them even more memorable. At the very first midnight mass I ever attended in my life, my wife and I, we ended up feeling like horrible parents. And we also learned an important lesson. I'll tell you all about it coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Josh Raymond. All right, so this was back in December of 1999, December 24th, of course, you know, for Midnight Mass, Christmas Eve. Do you remember kind of what was happening in the world at that point? Bill Clinton, he was president. There was uh, Prince, his song, 1999, that was being overplayed that year, especially in those weeks that were leading up to the end of the year. And there was the Y2K bug, if you remember that. So Christmas Eve, a little month, a little over a month prior to Christmas Eve, my wife, Baylen, she had given birth to our very first child, our first daughter, Cadence. We were living in Salem, Oregon at that time, and I was not Catholic then. But Baylen, she had grown up Catholic, and she asked me to attend Midnight Mass with her. And I don't remember what I was wearing or what Baylen was wearing, but I do remember what Cadence was wearing. She was about five weeks old at that point. And Baylen had this cute little white, soft, velvety kind of outfit for Cadence. It was had like stitched lacy flowers and other embroidered designs all in white. Really was a beautiful little Christmas uh, outfit there for Cadence. So everybody gets ready. We go. We arrive at the Catholic parish there in the city. That's uh, St. Joseph's Parish. And we walked in a little before 11 p.m., before Mass is going to start. We found a spot maybe like fourth, fifth pew from the front there. Mass begins, everything's fine. We stand up, there's the procession, the sign of the cross. But then during the singing of the Gloria, Belen and I, we hear a sound, a rather ominous sound that's coming from (laughs) Cadence's diaper. And I was the one who was holding her at that moment. I lifted her up just a little bit so we both could kind of get an angle and see. And the middle area of the back of that beautiful white Christmas outfit was completely soiled, and the diaper had failed there in those opening minutes of the Mass. So Baylen, she grabbed the diaper bag. She went back to find the bathroom to go change cadence. And I was there sitting in the pew, listening to the readings, uh, waiting for them to return. But the minutes kept on going by, and Baylen hadn't come back. Finally, we get to the homily there, and I decide I need to go see if I can find Baylen, go look and see if everything's all right. And I did find Baylen. She was there sitting with Cadence in the cry room where the moms and dads can take children if they're getting a little noisy. But Cadence, she was sitting on Baylen's lap, draped in a small blanket and nothing else. She only had a diaper on. Uh, Baylen when she saw me, gave me this kind of sheepish little smirk, and she explained that we both had forgotten to pack any extra changes of clothing for Cadence in the diaper bag. We had diapers, we had wipes, we had that, but we didn't have any clothes, and Baylen was embarrassed to bring her back into the pew, which I completely understood. So, you know, there we are, this cold December evening, 
and our new little daughter without any clothes on, and we both felt like failures as parents. But I will say that this event helped to ensure that in the future, we always had a change of clothes in the diaper bag. Now, another thing I want to point out, though, is at the end of Mass, as we were leaving, there were plenty of people who saw us with our little baby girl there, only in a diaper wrapped in a blanket. And all the people who were there at Mass, they smiled at us. There were no disapproving looks. That, of course, was appreciated because we already felt bad enough kind of beating ourselves up in the moment. But it also helped to create this welcoming, this warm and friendly atmosphere. And it was in that same parish, St. Joseph's, there in Salem, about four and a half years later, I was received into the church. Well, coming up this weekend, there are going to be a lot of extra people coming to Mass for Christmas. Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, some of these people will be coming back to Mass out of a sense of obligation, maybe to their parents or other family members. Some of them, they're going to be just like me. So many years ago, they might be attending Mass for the very first time. Now, if you are someone who was away from the church, or if you're a convert like me, you know how important it is to make Mass as welcoming as possible for someone who is coming back into those doors for the very first time in months or years, or maybe coming to their very first Mass ever. And this is exactly what we want to discuss on The Inner Life today, how we can be welcoming, how we can help evangelize those coming back to Mass this Christmas. And our spiritual director for the hour, I'm very glad to welcome back Father Ramil Fajardo. Father Ramil is a priest in the Archdiocese of Chicago. He is a resident priest at Holy Name Cathedral. He's a judge of the Metropolitan Tribunal. He serves as the director of liturgy and the cardinal's delegate for the St. James Chapel and the Archbishop Quigley Pastoral Center. And he is the rector of the National Shrine at St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Father Ramil, welcome back to The Inner Life. Good morning, Josh. Thank you for welcoming me back. It's good to be here again. All right. Any most memorable time for you going to Mass around Christmas? Nothing as dramatic as yours. <laughs> That's a great story, by the way. Yeah, um, well, kids nice give little you stories. Reminder. <laughs> <laughs> I think the best story I ever had was one time I was saying Christmas Eve Mass when I was an associate at St. Clement, and I believe it was the Midnight Mass, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the Eucharistic prayer, a little kid just said, Jesus. Oh, wow. Just out of nowhere. And it was in the middle of the Eucharistic prayer, and I thought, wow, okay, out of the mouths of kids, yeah. they can see. Yeah. And I, I think maybe, you know how it is in the Gospel, of, I think it was St. Mark, where our Lord says, let the children come to me and do not prevent them, for the kingdom of God belongs to exactly such as these. Uh, I always use the homily, uh, in my homily for baptisms, there's a difference between being childlike and childish. And those who are childlike can see the wonder in that moment of encounter with our Lord. And I think, no, I don't think, I know Christmas is that time for all of us, if we approach it in that proper way. 
Well, and so I think this is going to be a great hour for us to talk about how we can approach it in that proper way for our own, our own hearts, our own minds, but then also how we can try and create an atmosphere that allows other people to enter into that. Maybe people who weren't even anticipating, they didn't have that on their mind. They, like I say, maybe they're going out of a sense of obligation for someone that has asked them, you know, their parents, grandparents, you know, brother, sister, whoever it might be. Um, As I was reflecting this morning on welcoming people back to Mass, I found myself going back to the parable of the prodigal son. And I, I hadn't actually even looked at some of the materials that my producer Nick had sent to you, but sure enough, <laughs> the one, uh, you know, and, and, and I mean somewhat predictably, but the one scripture passage that he put in some of his notes there was the prodigal son. And when the younger son has taken his portion of the inheritance, and then he's come back home with nothing— we get to see two different kinds of responses to his return. There's the father who's watching. He's actively looking down the road and then runs out to greet his son. But then there's the response of the older brother, and he's resentful about his younger brother's return, resentful both towards his brother but also resentful to his father. And I guess I'd be curious about your thoughts on that resentful response you know, what What are some things that maybe we should be on guard for that we don't find ourselves falling into a bit of maybe a judgmental or a resentful attitude with people who might be, you know, <laughs> I don't get to sit in my regular pew or I don't get, you know, exactly. they're, they're, boy, the parking is awful here this time or I have to get to you know, church even, you know, 30 or 40 minutes early if I want to simply be able to sit down. You know, I mean, there, there's all this kind of chaos that can surround these big celebrations at Mass. And so how do I how do I hold that kind of attitude of resentfulness off and allow myself to still just say, I'm going to embrace the joy and I want to welcome people? Very good point. We hear it every single year behind closed doors Uh, in parishes and if any of the brothers um, are listening to this we all know what we're talking about (laughs) we 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 scruple about how are we going to seat everyone and why the sudden surge of of interest etc etc you know Um, but your point is very well taken I think for us who are believers those of us who take our faith seriously it does really begin with our approach. The story of the prodigal son is a wonderful warning in a good way, in a good way, because it's our conscience pricking us by that interplay of the three persons um, described, the two sons and the father. But for me personally, I've had to make a very conscious decision to first and foremost ask myself what is the purpose of this night so and and Josh you know this I'm really big into the spiritual underpinnings of everything that we discuss it's a big big issue for me that we know the reason we do what we do so scripturally speaking I always think of John 316 
you know how at football games or games they hold up the big sign for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him might not perish but might have eternal life we see that all the time right but it's the next sentence that makes the big difference verse 17 for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him so in other words there's the warning to both the younger son and the older son we who believe have to take our spiritual and prayer life very seriously so what do you do rectify your intention first and foremost friends remember it's a welcome all are called home because you and I have been called home we wouldn't be going there if we didn't have the gift of faith to begin with now let's cultivate the faith why were we given faith so that others might know Jesus Christ and his mercy and through Jesus might have access to salvation and everlasting life in the Father with the grace of the Holy Spirit all these things were specifically given to us through Christ and my final uh, my final thought on that was friends let's look back on the opening prayer of this past Sunday if you remember that opening prayer for the fourth Sunday of Advent the genius of the church the moment has arrived the prophecies have been fulfilled pour forth and beseech thee O Lord thy grace into our hearts that we to the incarnation of Christ thy son was made known by the message of an angel may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection if we if we meditate if we pray then we see the first step of salvation has come God touches the earth in a way that resonates that we can approach and understand because of God's love through his son as you're talking about being able to go back to what is the reason that we're going to church that we we instill that in ourselves you know I, I started off with the parable of the prodigal son you're talking about that opening prayer that we heard that we also get to pray um, that in the Angelus typically every day mm-hmm. you know if we pray that at 6 a.m. noon and 6 p.m. Um, are there any other passages from Scripture that maybe you think might be good for us to reflect on here in these days leading up to Christmas? Anything that might help help us to maybe soften our heart if it needs that little bit kind of, you know, softening up? Um, something that allows us to maybe uh, ju- just, just contemplate how we can be more welcoming to those that will be coming into our parishes? Absolutely. One one specifically, in addition to John three sixteen seventeen, I also like to think of our Lord actually looking at us and saying, Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. We should be welcoming to our families, to our friends, and it is precisely, if you just look at it from a strategic moment, now is the time where a generous heart makes the best impression absolutely makes the best impression if you and I already know that our Lord gives us comfort and aid whenever we ask for it then by our very baptism we are called to do the same so again as I always say to people that come to me for confession are you praying how's the prayer life are you are you taking the words seriously because 
our Lord says, come to me. So we can go to our Lord, but then we should also be directing towards him. So that people who come back to Mass, especially at Christmas and also at Easter, can see it's not mere sentimentality. We're talking about a real conversion for us who believe is available for them as well. Another passage is our Lord saying to Martha and Mary, you know, Mary has chosen the better part. Doesn't mean either or. It just means Mary understood presence of God. So as we ramp up to Christmas, and I know some of my coworkers are they're talking about how much cooking they've got to do and doing the Christmas cards and running around doing errands, presence of God. How is the prayer life? Is Christ present in the shopping list? Is Christ present carrying the bags to the car? Is Christ present as you're bundling up to go out and do your errands? Yeah. Is, is Christ, Christ present, present as you're when, cooking? Well, I was going to say as you're getting ready to go to Mass. Yeah. Um, exactly. Because I, I don't know how it was for you growing up, but, uh, you know, as everybody's trying to rush around and get ready and go to Mass, there always seems to be one person who is slowing down the rest of the family. Everybody's in the right. car waiting, you know, oh, come on, we're going to be late. And it makes for this kind of tension as you're racing there, trying to get there on time. And it takes you out of that mode. So there have been plenty of times where we'll say, okay, stop as we're driving. Exactly. We, we, need, we need to say a Hail Mary, or we need to say an Our Father. We need to just kind of get our focus back to where it is. And it's so easy to let all the other hectic busyness of life distract you from that. Amazing how just little things, a little reminder, such as, okay, presence of God, all right, let's, let's reintroduce ourselves into his presence by saying an Our Father, or a Hail Mary, or even a Glory Be, or looking at the crucifix, or looking at an icon of the Blessed Virgin. Um, one of the things that I learned from my Jewish friends is that when they walk in and out of their houses, uh, they touch the mezuzah that's on the on the wall. Well, we Catholics have the same thing. We have something very similar when we kiss an image of Our Lady or we kiss the crucifix as we walk in and out. We have our holy reminders, but an important holy reminder is in our hearts. Again, for those of us with the gift of faith who understand the gift of faith and who are trying to practice it, call upon our Lord and just say, all right, deep breath, breathe in the Holy Spirit, let's pray reminder to ourselves. Speaking with Father Emil Fajardo here today on The Inner Life and speaking about how we can be welcoming to those who are coming back to Mass, walking back into the church here at Christmas time. So many people who will be coming in maybe haven't been back to church since Easter. Maybe it's been even longer, you know, years since they've come through. Maybe it'll be their first time to come into the church and see Mass, be able to see what's happening there on the altar, the consecration of the bread and the wine. How do you welcome people into your parish? What are some of the ways that you help to foster that welcoming atmosphere at your church? Or maybe you were that person who came back to Mass, and what helped to make coming back more inviting, more welcoming for you? We'd love to hear your story, or maybe you have a question about 
how you can be welcoming, about how you can invite your loved ones to Mass and try and make the most of the opportunity as they hear the words that are spoken, that are prayed there at Mass. You're welcome to call and join us here. Our phone number is 888-914-9149, You can also email us, relevantradio.com. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is here to help with this year's health insurance open enrollment. They offer individual, couple, and family options to best fit your needs. Before January 15th, visit RelevantRadio.com Forester. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Take a look at the five and ten glistening once again with candy canes and silver lanes that glow Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, joined today by Father Emil Fajardo. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Chicago. He is the rector of the National Shrine of St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Today we're talking about how we can evangelize, how we can be welcoming to those who are coming back to Mass here at Christmas. And I ended up looking up this morning on Google Trends to just see the word church. If you type in the word church, year after year after year, um, there was a little bit of a dip with COVID over the last couple of years, but still, every year, the two times that the word church is searched on Google more than any other time, it always wins out. Easter is the number one, second uh, most popular time that the word church is typed into Google is Christmas, which is kind of typical of what we see. We see people coming back to our churches at Easter and Christmas. This is one of those opportunities here as we head into uh, Christmas Mass celebrations coming up this, this weekend, this Saturday and Sunday. And what are ways that you are working to make your parish be a more welcoming atmosphere? Maybe you are that person who had been away from the church, you came back and you experienced that welcoming, inviting atmosphere. What, what helped to welcome you back into the church? Maybe you're listening right now. You've been away from the church for a long time. You're a bit, about, a bit nervous about going back, and you'd like some advice. You'd like to speak with Father Ramil. You're welcome to call us. The phone number here into the studio is 888-914-9149-888-914-9149. Father Ramil, you know, I think it's a pretty common experience, and I've had this happen numerous times, where at a very, very busy, kind of almost overcrowded Christmas or Easter Mass, there's so many extra people who are attending, and you can very obviously tell that some of the people who are there, they're only there out of a sense of obligation. You know, they're, they're talking through the Mass, they're, they're a bit of a distraction to people who are seated around them. And I know I find myself concerned in a couple of different ways. I'm concerned, you know, that that person, or maybe it's a a couple, you know, or a group of people, they might not understand that when it comes time to receive communion, that this is really Jesus who is present in the Eucharist. And so I have this desire of wanting to have a reverence shown to our Lord from those who are receiving him. But there's also then a concern on my part this person, just by kind of their outward behavior, 
they might be somebody who unknowingly, but they're receiving the Eucharist unworthily. You know, they're not in maybe the right disposition. They don't understand what they're doing. And I know even as I say this, I'm not the one to judge the heart of anyone else. You know, that's between them and God. I also know that I'm not the right person to necessarily say anything to that person that's sitting in a pew next to me or behind me. You know, I've never met them before. Ultimately, I want to be welcoming, but I want to also then foster that proper respect and that reverence for the Eucharist. So how do we find that balance of being warm and welcoming to someone while wanting to keep that sacred reverence for the Eucharist? A lot of that will have to really come down to preparation uh, for people coming into church. Now, parishes, pastors, staff, we're on for all that. And I think your point is very well taken from one extreme to the other. Um, It's a welcoming environment. All are called to encounter Jesus and the, the Holy Family to celebrate this fulfillment of the promise of God. On the other hand, it's not a free-for-all. And sometimes there, the, the enthusiasm does get out of hand. And that's why the bishops are asking for a Eucharistic revival in, the, in this country of ours. So where do we begin? Number one, our joy should always be tempered by our appropriate behavior in church. So we should, number one, mirror that by our uh, demeanor as we attend the sacred, the holy sacrifice. Number two, a welcome to obviously people who are not uh, you know, regular goers is not about correcting in a harsh way, but rather educating. Remember that so much of the problems that we have uh, in the church is really about education. So how do we educate? Well, it's kind of late if we're doing it strictly at at the Christmas Mass. So being welcoming, handing them a missalette or an order of service, welcoming them with a smile. And I think investing, stepping out of yourself and investing in the people in front, behind, next to you, and showing them this is how we celebrate the liturgy and maybe doing apostolate, even though for many of us it would be kind of uncomfortable, especially at the Mass. Everyone walking in should be focused on our Lord. The reality, Josh, as you pointed out, is that most people walking, many people walking in, many of them may not have had the appropriate catechesis by that point. So, in a spirit of patience, compassion, actually we should be very compassionate for people who do not have our Uh, experience of faith that they just don't know what's going on around them, maybe apostolate even in the pew at that moment, investing in talking to them judiciously during the course of the liturgy, showing them how to kneel, when to kneel, when to stand up. And then, Reverend Fathers, if if any of the brothers are listening, or the staff, another good thing is at the welcome perhaps before the liturgy starts, between the carols and, and the start of the Mass, a, a warm welcome to everyone and just say, we, we know that we have a lot of visitors. We don't have to point out, you know, in case anyone hasn't been here in a while, that's, that's uh, not, uh, you know, that's, that's already kind of a first mistake. But say, we have a lot of guests today and we welcome everyone. And this, for us, this is the pinnacle. Uh, there are two pinnacles in our church here. Tonight 
and Easter Sunday. And for those who are prepared to receive communion or in a state of grace, come forward, come forward. Uh, and that usually includes, and also too, fathers, what about confessions? Offering confessions in a very intense way. In fact, we're doing that at Holy Name Cathedral. We've got uh, we've got double duty uh, priests going going into the confessional to make sure that people have access to the sacrament. And based on the numbers that our uh, our security are, are tabulating, they're picking up. People are coming to confession. So there you go. There's some good news. You know, one of the other things is you're is you're talking about the ways that you can, even in the context of the Mass, be able to be welcoming and help to, you know, have that little apostolate that's happening there in yourself. Mm-hmm. During the prayers of the faithful, you know, that's a perfect opportunity then to also be able to offer that Mass, or at least offer the intention that for all of those who are here, maybe they they've they haven't been here since Easter, they haven't been here since last Christmas, they haven't been here for even longer, that something they hear, something they see, can be the catalyst for them to begin that journey back home to the church. Exactly. Um, I think it's I think it the expression says it is on us, the the pastors and the staff, to make sure that everyone is welcomed. And Josh, I got to tell you something. One thing that goes a long way is a genuine smile. Yeah. You know, all the way from the greeters at the door, the the uh, those collecting the baskets, the priests, a genuine smile and an acknowledgement. Not not an acknowledgement that makes the person feel, oh, you know, you must be new here. No, that's not what I'm saying. I think a genuine welcome. Um, one of the things that strikes me, for example, I helped celebrate the Novena of Masses in preparation for the Immaculate Conception at St. Mary the Angels Church here in Chicago. And the one thing that always comes across at every Mass is that it's a family event. It is a family I I see so many people I don't recognize, and they're there out of love for Our Lady. They try to do these Novena of Masses, but it almost always ends up being what we would call a family event. People speak to one another. There's a joyfulness for going. So much so that the Church has had to say, okay, out of out of respect for those who are still praying, please take your conversations to the lobby. You know, yep. <laughs> it's getting kind of loud. Um, Let's let's respect those who are praying. It is still a sacred place, yeah. so it's a delicate balance. But it's a family event, and I think we in the parishes can keep that in mind. It's a family event, just like the parable again of the of the sons. As you're talking about that genuine smile there too, you know, even just singing the different songs during mass. You know, if you're singing "Go Tell It on the Mountain" or "Silent Night" or "Joy to the World" or whatever it might be. Being, you know, singing those with joy and enthusiasm, that also shows, you know, just that you're happy to be there. And that can be such a strong witness as well for someone who isn't a regular churchgoer. Right. There, good music always helps. Now, I was watching on YouTube fairly recently, I believe Cardinal Supich, about a year or two ago, as well as other great churches around the world entrance procession was um, let me see uh, O Come All Ye Faithful 
and the presider always ended up carrying the statue of the baby Jesus who he would place in the crash and it's a it's a majestic moment so when people hear beautiful music they see the ritual at play it's a call to worship it's a call to attention and our Roman liturgy is so simple but in that simplicity there are powerful symbols so when Cardinal Supich was processing in one midnight mass carrying the Christ child what a beautiful beautiful image of carrying our Lord into the church as you said earlier church it's the community it's the ecclesia it's it's the mystical body Christ is entering into his own and that liturgy that liturgical sensibility that simplicity the utter simplicity of the Roman liturgy is powerful absolutely powerful Talking with Father Ramil Fajardo today here on The Inner Life and welcoming your phone calls at 888-914-9149. How can we be more welcoming to people coming back to our churches here for this upcoming weekend of Christmas? And what are some ways that you've been able to do that in past years, uh, maybe both at Easter and at Christmas? Or maybe you're the one who is considering going back to church. It's been a while, and you're a bit nervous, and you'd like some advice, some encouragement, you can call and speak with Father Ramil here at the phone number again, 888-914-9149. Before we go to the break, Father, uh, let's talk about the other side. What do you think are the biggest things that if somebody walks into a parish, I mean, obviously there, there would be kind of, you know, if there's a rude atmosphere to them, but are there other things that maybe we might not consider that could be a bit of a turnoff for people as they come into a parish at Christmas? Good point. Um, the death of so many opportunities is routine. If you do things the way we normally do, then we will miss the nuances of the moment. And especially with Easter and Christmas, and since we're in Christmas, let's focus on that. Christmas is such a festive season. If we walk in with our usual business-as-usual attitude, we're going to miss the subtleties of those coming back. And I gotta tell you, there are definitely new experiences ready to be had when people walk in. There, if it's only one person that changes their perspectives on the church, then we've already gained one. We're, of all the people walking in, we're concerned for every single one. But if only one person suddenly has a new encounter with our Lord, then that one person was worth it. So, to answer your question, we should be, we should be very careful about being routine. It is not just another night. Not another night. Father, when we come back from the break, let's also talk about if we are the ones who have invited someone to come to church for Christmas, how do we make the most of that opportunity? Um, I'm thinking very specifically about a parent who has invited maybe their grown child, you know, maybe that, that child has a family of their own by now, but if they haven't been to church in a while, 
How can we make the most of that opportunity? We'll we'll look at that and discuss that coming up next here on The Inner Life. Again, our phone number, if you'd like to call in and join the program, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Back with more in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center, helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at relevantradio.com slash Gregory. That's relevantradio.com slash Gregory. Every time Nick plays an Elvis Christmas song, it makes me smile. He's such a huge Elvis fan. I couldn't resist. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond speaking today with Father Ramil Fajardo. He is a priest in the Archdiocese of Chicago. He's resident priest at Holy Name Cathedral and a judge of the Metropolitan Tribunal. And today we're talking about how we can welcome people back to Mass here coming up this weekend for Christmas. Uh, churches will most likely be very, very full, and a lot of people visiting, a lot of people coming back into the church for Mass. And what are some ways that you work to try and welcome people back in your own parish? Um, maybe you've uh, been able to do that successfully in past years. What are some of the the, the uh, approaches that you've used, or maybe you're the person who came back to Mass in the last year, two, three, four years. What happened that made that, ch- that church, that parish, so welcoming and started you on a return trip to the Catholic Church? Our phone number is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father, I mentioned right before the break, you know, there's, of course, us going to Mass, being welcoming to people that we don't know who's going to be there, just whoever happens to sit next to us there in the pew. Uh, but there's also the side of this where we might be the ones inviting someone to come back to church. And I'm, you know, it could be any family member or loved one, but I'm very specifically thinking about a parent who has a grown child who is no longer attending church. Christmas might be one of those rare times where the parent can invite their child to attend Mass, and they will actually go. And there are a couple of things that we could talk about here, but let's talk about it from the the perspective of the parent to start with. If I'm the one inviting my child back to Mass, what are maybe some of the things I can do to you know, not, not make it pushy, but at the same time be able to make the most of the opportunity? Really good question, actually. The Many parents have a deep sense of failure if they feel that their kids do not practice the faith. And I hear that a lot, actually, when people ask for my advice. My kids don't even bother going to church. And in some really extreme circumstances, parents have said the kids actually turn against Christianity. Well... As, as I also hear in my own spiritual direction, when I go, uh, when I go every week to to have my conversation, my chat, um, 
my own spiritual director tells me number one supernatural outlook supernatural outlook it is the Lord and if you and I are careful and deliberate about our prayer life then the point is it is the Lord we have a good relationship with our Lord because we make an effort and when we can't make the effort he comes running for us let's go back to what you were saying about the the prodigal son the, the parable of the prodigal son the father will run towards us to help us uh, you know reestablish that connection the father desires it much more than we ever could that's right second second of all um, strategy I mean you know our Lord even uses the example of uh, being the serpent and the dove uh, gentle as doves but wild as serpents sometimes we can be very pushy and it is incumbent upon us to understand the circumstances love your children so parents who are struggling with this one thing I like to remind them is that after a certain age you've done the best you could God has gifted you with your children so you've done the best you could and therefore bring it to the Lord so when it comes to kids coming back I, 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 I also based on what you just told me I would say to the parents did you just hear yourself they said yes you invited and they said yes there's already success right there yeah right give yourself credit they said yes and then the second thing now the strategy let's not try to beat them over the head with it <laughs> you know? it's like well you know you should come more often and you should do that. no maybe not the moment not the moment take advantage of an opening take advantage of the opening and just use it as a joyful affirmation of the faith because on many levels friends all of us listening we all know this there are people who are going to be suspicious. They're going to be like, oh, of course, here it comes. You should go to church more often, and why aren't you doing this? You know, they're kind of almost expecting that. Right. And so, so mm -hmm. well, I was just going to say, how do you then continue that dialogue? How, how do you think we can do that with where it's, where it's encouraging in a helpful manner, but it doesn't become kind of a nagging or, or that overbearing that, you know, here it comes. Yeah, that's what I was expecting kind of, you know, response from the person we're, we're, we're encouraging to come back to church. Right. Uh, with some people, there's just simply no way to bring up religion. But if we do not follow their script, their expectation, but just be ready and available. I think it's in the first epistle of Peter always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is within you strategy there's no such thing as one size fits all apostolate if there are some very difficult cases and I think everyone listening let's get one thing straight if they said yes and come to mass there's already a victory now get out of the way let the Lord do the work <laughs> other ways yeah. other you know if, other ways that we can do it is listen to them sometimes Josh I was told sometimes that we forget that salvation was won through the cross All right we may be talking about Christmas but salvation came through the cross and our problem is that we probably want 
to resolve it on our terms on our terms but the problem is get out of the way and let the Lord do it so number one to just simply answer your question pray number two smile number three forgive them and most importantly be available always be ready for the to give uh, the reason for the hope and the joy that is within you yeah and right? the words that come after that that you're talking about that Peter says be ready to give that reason for the hope that's in you and then he follows up and says with gentleness and reverence mm-hmm. you know, exactly. uh, uh, not not beating somebody over the head be gentle right. in your approach Father, uh, let's go to the phones. We've got Tim who's calling in, listening in Forest Lake, Minnesota. Hi, Tim. Welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air with Father Ramil. Hello. Thank you. I have a question. Um, Good morning. Um, So this Christmas, my sister and brother-in-law want to come to Mass with my wife and I and my son. And in the past when they've gone to Mass with us, uh, they go up and they receive the host. So how do I approach that and tell them, they're Lutheran actually, and uh, they like to come to Mass with us on, on Christmas once in a while. So how would I approach that and let them know that it's, you know, it's not the right thing to do? Well, that's the perennial tough question. They obviously cannot receive communion because they're not in union with, with, the, with the church with the Catholic Church. Um, I think long, uh, lengthwise, maybe approach the pastor and see whether or not an announcement could be made. Number two, without squashing your sister and your brother-in-law, it's just a gentle reminder that it's making an act of faith in the Catholic Church by receiving communion. So if you receive it, you obviously believe that that is not just a piece of bread. It is our Lord's true body, blood, soul, and divinity. So they have made an act of belief in the Catholic teaching. And it's a tough conversation. And, and Josh, maybe you, in your own experience, maybe you could enlighten me as, as, a, as a priest. I can only go so far and just say, you know, you're not supposed to do this. Right. Well, I guess my own experience is uh, there's a lot of ignorance out there. Uh, that was my case. I, I was invited by a friend to go to a Catholic Mass. I think I was maybe, I don't know, 13 or 14, and his family invited me to go along, and we went and got breakfast afterwards, and I had no idea that I was not supposed to receive communion, and I went up and received, you know, not being Catholic. There, there was nothing malicious on my part. There was no, you know, right. ill intent. I was a Christian. I just didn't, I didn't understand. I had no clue that Catholics would even believe that that is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. Um, I, I think my biggest thing for any of my, my children's friends that have come with us to Mass, if they are able to understand the idea of communion, that we are coming together and united, going back to that word you said, Father, that there is that union, that we are united together— if you don't believe everything that the Catholic Church believes, if there isn't that union there, why would you want to partake in something that you you that that <laughs> signifies you believe everything that the Catholic Church says it believes? So that that's kind of where I guess I would come from. Um, you know, try and do it as tactfully and as politely as possible. But I know at the same time, you know, as Tim is asking his question, Father. 
it becomes a concern. Am I going to do more, more harm by sounding like I'm prohibiting somebody and I'm not being welcoming by wanting to show that proper respect and, and you know, that helping to educate somebody right. on the Eucharist? Right. I've always, uh, and Tim, that's a, that's an excellent question that is very common uh, of an experience. I've always just said, by receiving it, you've just publicly stated you're a Catholic. You know, you believe that that is our Lord's body, blood, soul, and divinity. The whole liturgy is moving towards that moment, yeah. the source and the summit of the Christian life, and the flowing of the church's power comes from that moment. This is my body, this is my blood. That's why we surround the liturgy with such splendor, especially at Christmas and Easter. So it may be in a reverse sort of way, approaching them and saying, you do realize that you are making a public act of faith in the Catholic faith by doing that. And are you okay if you go up to communion? Yeah, Tim, I hope that helps. Um, It is a tough situation. You'll be in my prayers. Father, uh, we are just flat out of time. Got about 30 seconds remaining. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? Sure. In these final days of the Advent season, as we approach you, O Lord, send us your grace, your power, and your strength that we might celebrate worthily, Emmanuel, God with us. May Almighty God bless you, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, have a very Merry Christmas, Father. Always good to talk with you. Look forward to speaking Merry with Christmas you again as well. in the new year. All right. And a big thank you to Nick Sentevich, to Thomas Engesser, their help in producing the program today. I hope you can join us back here tomorrow. We're going to have a fun kind of inner life tomorrow talking about Christmas music. See you then. <laughs>